thank you all for coming out so early in the morning. I know it's quite a commitment to make it out this early, so thank you. Um, first, I want to um, just introduce to you my family. This is my family, my husband Fred, and my three boys, um, now four, five, and seven year, years old. And um, we're currently living in the city of Pikeville, where the Lord led us there to live a country life and to enjoy um, his nature and to experience what it's like to live in the country by growing our own food and just learning more, growing more as uh, individuals and as fam a family um, in that kind of environment. Um, I just want to first share about how um, I even came to speak here. Um, one night, about a month ago, I was praying to God and I felt convicted to just you know, pour my heart out to him in regards to how I can best serve him. And um, at the time, I thought it would be in my own community, right? And I was praying to God, you know, asking him, please, Lord, you know, I've prayed this prayer before, but that night was different because I asked him to show me in a very specific way how I can serve him because, uh, you know, prior to that, it wasn't really a as a specific of a prayer, you know? So I asked him, can you specifically show me what I can do for you? Because I want to do something for you, you know? And then the next day, Eunice called, and she um, told me about camp meeting, and she asked me if I can speak for the early morning devotional slot. And I um, said, uh, initially, in my heart, I didn't want to because, um, I knew I would have to leave my children at home, and I didn't want to do that. And I, I could have brought them, but I, I chose to leave them at home for certain reasons. And I, I just um, didn't really want to do it. And so I said, "Can I pray about it?" And um, I'll get back to you, you know. <laughs> so immediately I prayed and asked God, "Lord, what do I do? I don't know what to do." And I talked to Fred about it, and he. Um, as I was conversing with him about what was going on, and then I said, and then it just came out of my mouth, like, you know, I was on my knees last night praying to God, and, I, and then it hit me, and I was like, okay, <laughs> I know what I need to do. <laughs> this is the answer. How could I have missed it, right? So I said, okay, Lord, I'll do this, and I told you, Ness, I would do it, and I um, immediately started just, you know, putting thoughts together in my mind of what I wanted to share. And I started taking notes. And, you know, if you have an iPhone, I started jotting down notes in my notes, right, on my phone. And I had all these things that I wanted to share. And then, um, like, quite a bit of stuff, actually, right? And then... Um, I went to actually go sit down to prepare my talks, like to type them out. And then I went looking for my notes and they were all gone. <laughs> like just those ones, right? The ones that I had written down on my notes. And I thought, this is so weird because I did not delete them, you know? And I was starting to panic a little bit because by then it was only two weeks prior to the camp meeting. And you know, with the little ones at home, I didn't have much time to prepare. And I started talking to Fred, and I said, Fred, I think Satan's trying to discourage me because he's telling me, who are you to talk in front of these people who are much more qualified than you, you know? And I thought, I don't know what to do. 
you know, I don't know what to talk about. You know, I think God's telling me not to talk about what I was going to talk about. <laughs> you know, and he started giving me ideas. He said, Jane, I think that he really wants you to st share your story, you know. So I said, okay, you know. And I, you know, then it just went from there. And so I'm going to share with you over the um, course of the next five days um, my story and how God has led me as an individual, um, specifically today, and how he led us as a family um, or as a married couple tomorrow, and then share some points on marriage as well. And then on the third day, I'm going to share about um, what God has taught me um, as in regards to the connection between health and spirituality. And then on the fourth day, um, I'm going to share about what God has taught me in regards to parenting. And on the fifth day, I'm going to share about how um, He's leading us as a family and what He's shown us. Um, if you're not a parent, if you're not married, don't worry. Um, these principles can be applied, you know, to others, to your friends, to church members, to co-workers, right? Uh, to children in the church, to family, right? So it could be applied to you as well. But um, before I continue, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for waking us all up early this morning. I Thank you for this new day that you've given to us. Lord, you are a good and loving God. And this morning, I'm here to share what you have. You want me to share. And I ask that you be with my mouth and my thoughts, that it may all be you speaking through me this morning. And this I pray in your name. Amen. Well, I'm going to start off by sharing you uh, with you my background, how I grew up. This is Laguna Beach in California, Southern California in Orange County. And... Um, this is where I lived. Um, our backyard was the beach. Literally, we could just walk down the hill, and um, we had our private beach um, in that community. And um, my dad was a dentist and um, did very well, and um, we did very well for ourselves, right? I was a fourth generation Adventist, and um, so they wanted to provide a good Adventist education for us, right? So um, my dad was working hard, running the business. My mom was busy at home, right, trying to run the home. And um, uh, they did this all for the sake of giving us a better life than they had growing up, right? And um, off to Adventist schools I went, and um, then they transferred me to the best high school um, one of the best ones in the nation, actually. And um, I did well in school, right? Um, I um, uh, went to college and, you know, was in the Honor Society, and right, we, I did very well, right? And so, you know, when you look at this kind of life, you would ask yourself, um, right, is this the kind of life I want, right? This, for, for many people, I would say that this is the kind of life that people are shooting for, right? Like, this is where, where we want to end up, right? And that's how I want to raise my kids, right? My dad was the head elder at the church, and my mom was the head of the Dorcas Society, or, you know, where the women do women's ministry, and, um, right? 
It would seem that I grew up in a very good uh, religious home, right? But um, although it seemed like we were the perfect family, living the perfect life, right? People would actually tell us that, right? Like, you guys are just the perfect family, you know? And just God's really blessed, and look at you, and living the American dream. But God later in my life showed me that that I and they were very sorely mistaken. Let me start by sharing with you um, what I experienced as a child, right? <clears throat> um, I grew up in a loving home. My parents were very loving. They obviously were doing all of these things for our benefit, right? To give us the best life, right? But family is meant to be uh, the primary social unit, right? In society and for um, us, and I would say for a lot of Korean-American families, that might not have been so, right? Um, it may be the cultural differences, the language barriers, I don't know, it might be um, because they were so busy trying to provide for us, right, that um, we didn't really spend a lot of time together. We were kind of like ships passing in the night, like, you do your thing and I do my thing, right? I had my friends, my brother had his friends, and um, you know, we kind of just did our own stuff, right? My parents were busy with church things as well, and so we were, they were doing good things, right? Um, but it seemed later in life I realized that um, the more weightier matters of life were being neglected, which was the well-being of our spirituality, right, as children. And so um, me and my brother, we were kind of on our own doing our thing, right? And um, it comprised of things like this, right? <laughs> Video games, movies, TV, right? Books, I loved reading books, right? What's so bad about books, right? But come to find out, because, you know, my parents were so busy, and also I think they just didn't realize, right? The spiritual battle that we're in, right? That we could be exposed to bad influences even through books and through things like that, right? And so, uh, you know, with the movies, right? It started off with, you know, Disney and <laughs> things like that, right? Seemingly harmless stuff, right? But it started to grow, right? And what did it grow from? Like, it started to whet my appetite for a fantasy life, right? And that started to feed into like daydreaming about princes and princesses and oh my Prince Charming and right? that grew into, right, romance movies and even romance novels, right? Very toxic stuff, right? But it all started from Disney movies, <laughs> right? It's funny, but it's not actually. It, uh, movies, right? Um, not only was I really into the romance movies, I was reading books again, starting with the books, right? Uh, with like mystery novels, right? Like started with like Encyclopedia Brown, right? Those kinds of things that we seem like, feel like it's not harmful as children, right? But it started again to whet my appetite and I started to really get into mystery novels as an older child and then uh, and that grew into suspense novels, and that grew into suspense movies, which grew into horror movies. 
And let me tell you, when I was trying to find pictures to put in my slides, right, I just typed in generic DVD uh, picture, right? Because I knew if I typed in specific stuff, it would be bad stuff that came out, right? So I just typed in generic DVD picture, and the screen was flooded with oh images that I can't even imagine I used to watch and enjoy, right? It is satanic, you know? Very, very satanic. And that's, those are the things I was exposing myself to on a consistent basis, right? So again, it all starts as a young child, right? <laughs> like, what kinds of things are, are you exposed to? And then that what's your appetite for things as an older child? And it grows to be things that are quite um, toxic, and toxic and dangerous, right? In Adventist home, it says, those who would not fall a prey to Satan's devices must guard well the avenues of the soul. They must avoid reading, seeing, or hearing that which will suggest impure thoughts. The mind must not be left to dwell at random upon every subject that the enemy of souls may suggest. The heart must be faithfully sentineled, or evils without will awaken evils within, and the soul will wander in darkness. <clears throat> well, let me ask you to take a moment to think about what kinds of things might you be exposed to in your life, right? That may seem seemingly harmless, but may possibly be planting seeds that may not be uh, for eternity, but right, uh, for evil, right? Or ask yourself what kinds of seeds are being planted in your children's minds, right? That you're allowing them to be exposed to that may awaken evils within later in life, right? So those things that I were exposed to as a child uh, remain dormant. The effects of it remain dormant until later in life, um, even um, after high school. And so then I went off to college and, um, you know, I met friends and um, let's just say that they weren't the best influence, right? Uh, but because I was exposed to those things prior to college, my sense of judgment was very numbed, right? And so I was naive and thought it was fine. They're good people. They're nice, right? And so very soon after that, I got into all these things, right? Cigarettes, drugs, alcohol, partying, right? And I do believe... Although my parents were very loving parents in a safe, uh, loving home, um, I do believe that all this could have been prevented if my parents were more intimately involved with my life, more aware of the choices that I was making and my choice of entertainment, right? The time I was spending and those kinds of things, if it was more closely monitored, <clears throat> I do believe this could have been prevented, right? So let me ask yourselves, what is your family dynamics like, right? Are you guys in tune to what your children are involved in, right? It could be under the roof of your home in their own rooms, and you need to be aware of what they're doing, 
and be not just in tune with what they're doing physically, but be able to be so in tune with them that you're able to know what they're thinking. Because you'll uh, share with you later this week how important the thought life is as well. And again, it may not um, manifest itself until later in life, right? So, <clears throat> I was involved with all these things, but when you look at even those pictures or you think about people that do that, right? You think, oh, those are such bad people, right? But I thought I was such a good person, right? Because I went to church and not only did I go to church, I was a leader at the church. I was teaching the children, right? And I thought, very, I was very deceived, right? Satan was, uh, had brought me into a state of deception, thinking, you're fine in the way that you are, right? Don't worry about that. It's not that bad, right? But really, I was living an immoral life, thinking that I was moral, right? So all these things uh, um, then led to, as you could imagine, it was a downhill slope from there, right? Uh, the parties and things like that exposed me to um, uh, have negative relationship with boys, which affected my marriage later in life. And um, God was then able to um, work through that and redeem us from that. But beware of the choices that you allow your children to make because it will affect their later life, right? Um, I, with the alcohol, we would drink on a regular basis, and I um, <clears throat> one day was driving home back to my dorm after one of those episodes, and I was drunk, you know, and I got pulled over because I was weaving, you know, and making poor choices, right? The things that were exposed as a child numbs your sense of judgment, and it definitely numbed my sense of judgment during this time, and I'm driving under the influence and got pulled over, and I don't even know how, because it was very apparent that I was under the influence, but for whatever reason, the Lord was gracious, and I was, the, um, the police officer let me go. And at that moment, I thought, that was a close call, because at the time I was pre-med, trying to get to medical school, and I thought there was no way I could have pursued my career if that was on my record, right? So I thought, that was the starting point, like, okay, Lord, I don't know if I'm making the right choices, you know, but senses are still numbed, right? Still continued on doing what I was doing, and we were studying for a, a chemistry test, right? And my friend said, oh, you know, this drug, it's going to make you uh, keep your attention, right? Because we needed to stay up all night. So we, I was, uh, okay, I need to cram in as much as I can tonight, so I'll, I'll do that, you know? <clears throat> so I decided to take that substance, and I, uh, it worked, right? It gave me the attention that I needed, and I stayed up all night. And the next morning at 8 o'clock, there I am sitting at my desk, right, ready to take the exam. And it was one of those tests where you fill, out, fill in the circles, right, A, B, C, D, E. So I'm filling out the circles, right, and I'm filling it out. I'm like, oh, wait, because what this drug does, it 
increases your attention, right? Um, attentiveness, right? So it was increasing my attentiveness and the exam, but in a negative way because there I go filling in the circles and it's like a little bit outside the circle, you know? So I was like, oh no, that's not okay. So I erase it, you know, to make it perfectly filled. And I go, you know, question after question doing that. And then they say, okay, the exam's over, turn your papers in. And I was only halfway through the test. As you can imagine, I failed the exam and I got a C in that class, right? And I thought, okay, okay, I'm really, really not on the right path. Like, this is not good, you know? Uh, so, in, in, in examples like that, I can give more examples, you know? But anyway, long story short, God said, look, you need to drop all these things, you know? So I decided at that moment, by this time, I was in my third year of college, and I said, I'm going to, I'm sorry, I'm going to leave my friends, and I'm, i got to move on, you know? i got to focus on my studies. So I did that. By uh, the end of my college um, um, experience, I was in my uh, another chemistry lab and um, working on my stuff, and uh, a friend, or, or somebody came, oh, okay, I was reading an article, that's what it was in the school paper, and it was about how you should not allow caffeine in the school cafeteria, you know, because I think they had Coca-Cola or something, you know? And I was like, this guy is crazy, you know? Like, he is so radical and, oh, wow, you know? And I was reading it, and there he walks in, right? He was the lab uh, TA or something, right? So then, of course, I asked him about it, and we began talking, and he said, look, you know, there's these evangelistic meetings going on in Los Angeles. Why don't you come with me, you know? And um, I think it'll be, uh, answer a lot of your questions. So I said, okay. So I went with him. And um, uh, there the, you know, evangelist, it was Ivor Myers, right, was speaking, and he was um, saying, you know, you need to make a choice, right, to the congregation, right? Like, uh, you're either following God or you're following the devil, right? It's nowhere in between, right? It's one or the other. You need to make a choice, right? And he said, through these two books, the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy, um, they can be your guide, right? And I thought, I need a guide, you know? Like, I cannot be led by friends or peers or things like that. I need something. I need the truth, right? So that weekend, I went home to my parents' house, and I remembered that they had uh, boxes of books, uh, Ellen White books, right, in um, their garage, right? So I went to their garage, and I pulled out box after box and pulling out all the books, right? And all the books were on the ground in the garage. And my dad comes into the garage, and he's like, what are you doing, you know? And I said, I'm looking for a book. And he's like, what book are you looking for? He's like, I'm looking for a book called The Spirit of Prophecy. Because this guy said a Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy, these two books, right? Where is it? I can't find it, you know? And he said, it's all of that, you know? It's all that. And I said... And I, real, I, I realized later in life, what? it's funny experience, but not so funny because I grew up in the Adventist school system and never heard of the spirit of prophecy. Never did I. And I was amazed. And I thought, how could we be kept from this wonderful truth, right? Anyhow, so as you can imagine, after that, I accepted Jesus and I... Uh, started a reformation in my life, right? I, uh, um, right. 
I um, was still drinking and partying at the time, so I, um, not as much as before, but I still was, and I decided I'm not doing that anymore. I changed the way that I dressed, I changed, I took all the jewelry off, and I um, put all the jewelry I had, and I um, got rid of that. I used to heavily be into like hip-hop and rap music, and I got all those CDs and put it in a box, and I just cleaned out my life, right, from those evil um, influences. And um, God was starting to work in my heart, right? Um, at the same time, come to find out, my future husband, Fred, was going through the exact same experience on the other side of the country, right? Exactly the same experience at the same time, right? Well, Fred and I, we met in dental school, and uh, uh, we had a mutual friend who knew the uh, influences that he could be exposed to. I was already exposed to in California, but that he would be exposed to as well, that it would be difficult to remain spiritually connected in that kind of environment in California. And so he said, look, you guys are going to be together in the same class. Let's all three of us start a Bible study together so that we can keep each other accountable. And I said, that's a great idea, right? So we would meet on a weekly basis. And then uh, he, uh, for whatever reason, stopped coming. <laughs> so then it was just the two of us, and we thought, that's not good, right? We need to have our friends come. So we invited our friends to come. And this whole time, not thinking, you know, that we were a match, right? I was actually, you know... Um, one night I was um, or there was actually a pastor that was you know we were ta I was talking with and we uh, were dating and um, it didn't end up working out and I um, that night I said Lord I prayed and I said Lord um, I am completely fine you know just being yours like being single for the rest of my life I am perfectly okay with that because I want to do your work right um, then the next day it's like a veil was took off our eyes, both of us at the same time. And we were like, wait a minute. We were talking about our, our goals, our future goals. And we both said, oh, you know, I want to be a missionary. Oh, I want to be a missionary too. Yeah, I want to do God's work. Yeah, me too. I know we're all, both on fire for God. And then it was like God was telling us, he's the one for you. And like, she's the one for you, right? And we thought, wow, like it just happened. You know, God was just telling us, this is your future, right? because we knew that we would make a great team together, right? So we started dating, uh, got engaged, signed up as missionaries, and um, uh, it's happily ever after after that, right? But um, actually, it was not the case, right? Unfortunately, Fred and I took a major detour outside of God's plan for us, as you'll find out tomorrow. Um, but... What I wanted to point out was that God has a plan for each one of us, right? He wants to bring us out of darkness into his marvelous light, right? It says um, in Christ's object lessons, to his servants, Christ commits his goods, something to be put to use for him. He gives to every man his work. Each has his place in the eternal plan of heaven, right? It is not just me that God has a plan for, just Chester or whoever, right? It's everybody in this room has a plan, right? 
But we must be willing to hear what God has to share with us and be willing to follow in that, right? Are you willing to follow him, right? Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, I am so indebtedly grateful to you, Lord, for bringing me out of darkness, Lord, bringing me out of a life of evil into a life of joy and happiness and service for you. Lord, I desire the same for everyone sitting here today, right, that you can work in their lives, convict them in their hearts, Lord, what your plan is for them, that they too may find a better life in you, that they may know the joys that you have in store for him, for you, for for them in following you. Lord, thank you for being such a merciful and grace, gracious God. In this, I pray in your name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.